right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith Journeys podcast. My name is Brad. I am your host. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring different people's journeys of faith. I believe that each and every one of us is on a journey of faith, regardless of religion or regardless of creed. And I believe that faith goes deeper than just attending a religious worship and that it guides and leads our lives through the best of times and through the worst of times. And it's my hope that through this podcast that we can see that each of us has a journey to take and that along that journey, we are never alone. So I'd like to introduce my guest today, Pastor Angela Shannon, affectionately known as Angie. She hails from Gary, Indiana. She will always consider home as she was shaped and formed by her parents, extended family, and fictive kin. Being reared in Gary, a predominantly Black city, gave her the grounding to go out into the world as an empowered Black woman. She was educated at Valparaiso University, received a BA in 1984, and there is where she encountered Lutheran theology. Pastor Shannon's axis shifted upon hearing the scandalous doctrine of grace. We are, I love that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. This is a testament to the power of God at work because she heard it in an environment that was at times indifferent to hot and hostile to African-American students. She joined the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in 1985, was confirmed by Reverend Lutz at the Chapel of the Resurrection at Valparaiso University. A series of life changes, both mundane and spectacularly uh, numinous, led her to pursue ordained ministry. And in 1996, she graduated, I love this, the Lutheran School of Theology. (laughs) She was an International Horizon student intern in Hyderabad in India. Wow. And she was the first woman to complete a pastoral internship, which was at the time the 150-year history of the and Andra. Is that right? Andra? Andra. Andra Evangelical Lutheran yeah. Church. Andra Evangelical Lutheran Church. Wow. It was seeing a brown woman in nearly formed pastor capacity, which influenced the AELC to ordain 17 women several years later. That's amazing. Angela was ordained in January of 1997, making her the 37th African-American woman ordained in the ELCA. Brothers and sisters gathered at her ordination, but especially the sistren. The sistren made sure that the holy hands were laid on her in apostolic succession that traces to the Reverend Erlene Miller, the first African woman whose memory we celebrate as a trailblazer. Yes, we do indeed. Pastor Angie served small, medium, large congregation as she follows in obedience to God in her vocation, and she served, sojourned briefly in seminary education to find her way to her current call at All Saints Lutheran Church. She is the National Vice President of the African Descent Lutheran Association, a Silver Star and Life member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Inc., member of the National Council of Negro Women, a volunteer organizer with Girl Trek, and she is an oblate of the Order of St. Benedict. A world traveler, she loves encountering God in different cultures, and her favorite destination is outdoors. She enjoys walking, camping, hiking, swimming, and learning new skills. And in 2017, she hiked the last leg of the Camino de Santiago in Spain. So, Please join me in welcoming Pastor Angie. Angie, it's great to have you on the program. It's you great know, to be here. As I sat here thinking about what I wanted to cover on this podcast this month, of course, it's February, but it's also Black History Month. I knew right away that I wanted to have you on. So thank you for accepting my invitation for our time together. Uh, here on this podcast. It's great to have you. So let's just dive in right right away. Can we do that? Sure. <laughs> awesome. So you said that it was the scandalous doctrine of grace that mm-hmm. sparked you into going into ordained ministry. Can you explain and describe yeah, it, that to listeners a little bit for, for me? Um, 
Yeah, it was more of a trajectory. I, um, uh, when people ask me, well, how is it that you became a pastor? I said, well, I was trying to get slick and got caught. <laughs> um, I was trying to be slick. Um, when I graduated from high school, my mother wanted me to go to a Christian uh, school. And um, the one that she had selected, she had these horrible places um, that she had selected for me. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I knew at 18 years old, I would probably get kicked out in a week. It's a <laughs> um, church, not a church, but it's a university in Oklahoma, ORU, or Roberts University. Uh-huh. That would not have worked for me. Works for some, but <laughs> right. I, I, I knew that about myself at the time. What I didn't know was about Lutherans. Uh-huh. Uh, what uh, I knew about Lutherans, uh, there was Valparaiso University on US 30, not far from the home. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a Lutheran congregation in, um, in the neighborhood uh, that we would just walk by and it was always quiet. St. Philip's Lutheran Church, it was uh, LCMS. Whenever you hear St. Philip's, know that is a, an African descent uh, congregation. Uh -huh. I didn't know much uh, else. So I, um, I, I wrote and got information on Valparaiso University myself. All right. And I got my mom and we went on a tour um, mm -hmm. of the U and it seemed, it seemed okay, even though, um, uh, I might get the timeline a little, you know, cause it's, it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I believe the year, yeah, the year before there was a killing on campus oh, wow. and it was, we would call it, uh, uh bullying, but mm -hmm. back in the day, uh, they did not have those words and, uh, much less thought bullying exist, yeah. existed, but, uh, uh, an African-American student killed a white student because he was being bullied and it was well-documented. And so um, there, uh, there was a lot of public retaliation and there was a grand exodus the year before uh, from the uh, school of, uh, of uh, African-American students. Well, my father and my mm -hmm. mother uh, were being what, 30, 45 minutes down the road. They were like, yeah. look, uh, you, you know, you can go, we got you. And um, yeah, uh, my parents were very, very supportive uh, during that time. And, uh, and very- but Even after, even after all of that, they were still okay with you going uh, to the university. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, look at, what's happening uh, uh, around us uh, today. Uh, uh -huh. Black bodies are being killed all over the place. Right, right. That's why we say Black Lives Matter, correct? Right? Correct, correct, so, yeah. Uh, I lived in Gary, Indiana, which was predominantly Black. Mm -hmm. Some would call it a chocolate city. Mm -hmm. So I had the protection and the confines of loving uh, HBCU educated teachers. My father was a police officer. My mom was a social worker. Mm -hmm. uh, our, uh, our professionals look like us. So um, um, blackness was the point and the frame of reference for me. Right, so, right. Um, and my parents uh, surmised, particularly my father says, well, uh, life is not going to always look like Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, uh, you can get an HBCU uh, graduate degree, but I want you to have this, this degree. And um, I had a cousin who graduated uh, from uh, BU uh, in the 70s. Uh, I think we've had uh, a, a person from my family graduate from Valparaiso like in every decade. Uh, wow. Up to you wow. Know? <laughs> yeah. 
or or an associate, you know, yeah, uh, family friend or something, but certainly uh, family members. So, um, what better way than under the you know watchful eye of my parents? Exactly. They weren't exactly helicopter parents because the technology really didn't exist way back in the day, but they were a phone call away. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was raised uh, uh, Baptist mm-hmm. at Liberty Baptist uh, Church in Gary, Indiana. And it it was um, a, a pastor-centered uh, congregation. It was, uh, but there were families, you know. Right, right. In the church and, and the, um, my family, uh, the Shannons were among the uh, largest because there are a lot of us. I have 30, 34 first cousins. Wow. <laughs> yeah. My father uh, had six siblings. So there's there's wow. a whole bunch. Of wow. So uh, we grew up there in church. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. church was foundational. Uh, it was important uh, that uh, we knew the Bible stories. There were Christmas programs, and that meant, in addition to, you know, a nativity scene, there were Christmas speeches, there were Easter speeches, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, um, that was uh, uh, very important to uh, my formation when yeah. growing up. So uh, when I went to Valpo, um, I, I always had something to say about everything. That's just <laughs> how I am. Yeah. Um, we had, um, let me tell you how long ago this is. The first six weeks of our class, our, uh, of our classes, we had curfew and bed checks back in the day. Whoa. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there was compulsory uh, theology. Uh-huh. You had to take two semesters and I remember saying, oh, I don't want to do this. And why I have to do this? And, and my mother was like, look, answer this Jesus. Okay, fine. <laughs> what can it hurt? So uh, I, I took some classes and uh, I took that first class. And it's like, wait a minute. I, I'll never forget. It was liturgy, uh, uh, literature of the Bible with uh, Dr. Daniel Brock. And he made scriptures come alive in ways that I hadn't uh, heard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, we used to memorize uh, um, um, scripture and I learned how to read uh, using that old school children's Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I would read a line and my dad would read a line and my grandmama, would, you know, that's how yeah, we right. did it. Yeah. So I knew the stories, but What was behind the stories that was so captivating to me? So I kept taking theology classes. I didn't think I was going to uh, land in um, in seminary. My my dad, a police officer. My mom was a social worker. So you know, I studied sociology with a criminal justice emphasis Mm because I was going to, you know. be a public servant right right and and what was what was it that you heard that kind of changed your trajectory on that what can you pinpoint it to a certain thing sure i can even tell you what i was doing that day we used to have this and i will not name him because he was horribly boring (laughs) I mean, we would, you would see uh, <laughs> students, you know, uh, collect in the, uh, the, uh, the student union grabbing coffee so we could get to this class because it was after lunch. Uh-huh. And I, uh, I had a, a bag of Twizzlers that day. Caffeine <laughs> 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 and sugar. Yeah. And, uh, and this particular day, he said that we were saved uh, by grace through faith, apart from the works of law for the sake of Christ. And I looked and he kept talking. And I can remember having that Twizzler in my hand and thinking, 
you mean God is not mad at us? Because, mm. you know, we had this, I grew up with this idea that, you know, God was out because we're so sinful. God was always, you know, continually pissed at us, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you know, just waiting for the gotcha moment to come and get it, you know? <laughs> True. So um, that was, that was freeing for me. Uh, yeah. That was freeing to my 18 year old uh, uh, heart. And then I would uh, get to know uh, at Valpo every, at the time, I don't know if it's so, but every dorm had a chapel uh-huh. and every dorm had a chaplain. And I met Mrs. Esther Lutzing, uh, God rest her soul. Uh, she was one of the uh, most sweet, the, she was, the, you know, she was the sweetest and most authentic uh, person I had met. And then I would meet her husband, uh, um, Pastor uh, Carl Lutzi, who mm-hmm. is one of the um, um, very quiet, uh, unknown um, movers and shakers in, in the Lutheran communion with regard to civil rights. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. make a whole lot of it, he just did. But um, it was Professor Lou Jean Walton who was a major influencer. Uh, they all are uh, on the other side of eternity right now. But um, she graduated in, uh, um, she graduated in 1960 from Valpo, mm. an American African descendant wow. woman. And man, Valpo was a sundown town. Yeah, yeah. And she she graduated from Uh, Valpo in 1960. And the sheer miracle uh, is this, that she came back to teach in the Department of Social Work. Right. She had the Department of Social Work for very many years. And so it is the encounter uh, with people uh, who are uh, living their faith, not perfectly, Mm -hmm. but faithfully. Because mm-hmm. it, it was really difficult at uh, Valparaiso uh, University in the wake of that of that murder, mm-hmm. such such that you know we uh, 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 had to be walked if we were out at night by ourselves, uh, particularly the women. Um, someone had to walk us to class. Wow! Yeah, wow. all all at the university under the cross. Wow. See, because God will keep you wherever. That's what I learned, that God is dependable that way. I love when that. Are not, yeah. But God is dependable. If that's where you're supposed to be, that's where you're supposed to be. Mm-mm, can't no devil in hell keep you out of. Right. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. And so what suddenly you find yourself thinking seminary and no 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 i went to um i went uh to illinois state university studied there uh-huh. um then i uh worked at uh federal bureau of prisons mm-hmm. i got very ill life-threateningly mm-hmm. ill and then, uh, long story bearable, went to a prayer bar- breakfast. Um, the uh, speaker laid hands on me. And then I did not have that illness anymore. Wow. It was verified by a doctor. Yeah. But I was always curious about the things of God. And when I decided to go to seminary, uh, it wasn't because I'm, I'm going to be a pastor. Uh, I find that for me, um, I can plan a vacation better than I can plan my walk of faith. <laughs> and if I'm going to get that much attention to, you know, my vacation and going to Disneyland, Disney World or whatever, uh-huh. I should at least give that kind of attention and thought to my walk of faith. Right. And so... I want, you know, I was, uh, I was curious. So I decided that I was going to get a certificate of studies. 
okay. from uh, LSTC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in Gary. It was close. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to do. And I mean, even uh, uh, with the same kind of sass, they were like, well, uh, well, can we put you down in a master's program? I said, well, I was kind of here for, uh, you know, uh, um, a certificate of studies. But if that makes you feel good and that helps your statistics, have at it because I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that was like, uh huh. Yeah, I know what you're gonna do too. <laughs> so, um, and so uh, when I sat in the uh, the first class, I knew where I, I I needed to be. Yeah, and I was working uh, at the uh, time. I was taking a, a class here, a class there. You know, trying it on for size, and um, um. It was, you know, it, it was not a dramatic calling because my grandmother always taught all of us that God has a call uh, on everybody's life. And all of us are called to do something. Um, that sounds quite Lutheran, doesn't it? It does. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, so I didn't think it was going, you know, the call of my life would be a, to be a pastor, you know, it's like, well, God is going to call you to do something and you better be ready to do it. And, you know, so, um, and so I, I did my first year like that. And then the second, cause, um, I had made up in my mind that, you know, I, I, I use my savings and, um, for that first, uh, year. And I said, well, uh, God, well, if you're calling me to do this, this is what we're going to do. And um, what I'm going to do is when the money runs out, I'll work again, amass right. the money. And, come yeah. back. Uh-huh. and um, after that first year, uh, the development office called me in and uh, there was a, um, a scholarship for Indiana, Kentucky uh, Senate students called the Harold and Thelma Heine uh, scholarship and that that took care of most of my expenses um years later i would uh, become uh an associate pastor at trinity english lutheran church uh in fort wayne indiana and um guess who was there no way Thelma Heine. wow when it came to stewardship, I said, let me tell you all something. The Bible says if you cast your bread on the face of the waters after many days, it'll come um, back to you. Yes. <laughs> of her stewardship, look who showed up on the beach. Oh. And I was the only pastor. And they had, they had educated so many pastors. Not mm-hmm. only did they uh, give to uh, Lutheran seminaries, they gave to other seminaries because in their minds uh, uh, to uh, sow into young pastors' lives, that was their calling. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's interesting how that happened. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. And tell me about your time in, in India. How, that was, how did that come about? That was internship. And uh, at the time, and I'm perhaps even now, I don't know, uh, the ELCA had the Horizons Internship uh, Program. Yep. Um, I, I, I would have never gone to, um, uh, gone that route, but there was an international um women's group that I was a part of mm-hmm. at, at uh, LSTC and my roommate at the time uh, was Sri Lankan and um, she challenged me she's because we talked about everything race uh, gender everything and um, the interesting thing was she was uh, very very brown skinned right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but an inter, uh, international student. And uh, then we had uh, uh, students, uh, one of the women uh, was from Iceland and 
So the racial rules were quite different for each of them. Yeah. And so we talked about that. And so one day, uh, Dami asked me, she says, have you ever been in a place where you've been totally othered? I was like, shoot, I live as a Black person in the United States. Hello. Yeah, she says, no, seriously, Angela. Um, Have you ever been in a place where um, uh, English is not uh, the dominant language? And I was like, no. And so that uh, moved me to apply for uh, the Horizons internship, specifically going to to India, because I wanted that experience of um, liminality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's something we have in common, because I actually did a Horizon uh, internship site as well. Where'd you uh, go? So, so, um, well, <laughs> so I was supposed to originally go to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, uh-huh. It was a, it was a historically um, all black um, Lutheran church there, and I was assigned there. Uh, I went and um, did the tour and everything. Um, met congregational members and um i was going to i found an apartment and i was going to actually stay there and finish my master's mm-hmm. at duke divinity so i went by oh. duke and everything and got the paperwork and you know all that sort of stuff and about a week later i get a call uh from uh warburg seminary that it was through because i went to a lutheran school uh i went to lutheran seminary at the southwest in austin so our um our our stuff was through warburg um but lstc as well but warburg handled the paperwork for it and so um i get a call from the internship person and said um well raleigh durham is not going to work out and i said why not and he said um the pastor told me that they weren't ready to educate another white pastor. And I said, oh, okay. And um, so I, I was, I was on the other side of the, of the coin, this go round. And um, so I ended up going to uh, small mission start congregation. I <laughs> could get this go from Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Ah, (laughs) And um, never, and, you know, outside of mission trip to Costa Rica for three weeks, I had never really stayed outside my home state. And so, um, so I went there um, and you know what, it actually worked out. I mean, I can't complain. I, you know, met my wife, uh, you know, in council bluffs and, and everything and it all okay. turned out okay. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so that, uh, that, that, that was my horizon experience uh, as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Sister Joan Chittister talks about uh, uh, that uh, sometimes we think we want to be someplace and but God has other plans you know had she followed her trajectory she would not have been the prolific uh writer that she is and and so the church is blessed for it absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. so what was it like interning in India um it was uh it was one of the most important ex, uh, experiences of my ministry and life mm-hmm. uh, because you, you know, you understand yourself. I tell people all the time, I understood myself uh, more as Angie Shannon, the, uh, and as an African-American woman, mm-hmm. because you don't have the, um, uh, what I would say the uh, bumpers, yeah, of, of culture to right. to protect you. So you have an honest confrontation with yourself, exactly the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And even in that uh, that ugliness, 
Uh, God always knew that, uh, knows that about each one of us. God is not surprised by anything uh, that we are or, who, uh, or what we do. And so that was the most important um, uh, faith-forming uh, experience that, uh, that God's love is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Um, I learned hospitality in a different way. Mm. Um, yes. Yes. People so hospitable and, um, they had a lot, a lot of patience and, uh, we were able to take some middle steps towards one another um, I will forever call my, uh, internship supervisors, family, family. In mm -hmm. fact, we, you know, I graduated in 96. So, uh, we have kept in contact all of those years. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh Sunita Martha, who's on, uh, Bishop Hill Curry's staff. Mm -hmm. uh, was part of a youth group. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. And uh, I learned so much uh, from Sunita and uh, I call them the, uh, the Bun, uh, Moody kids and who are real grown now. And uh, just my... Uh, I did not speak Telugu. I, I learned accounting Hindi. So I had to um, be observant. Mm -hmm. And I am an extrovert. And I think that's the, uh, the humor of God. Uh, you send an extrovert into uh, a country of a lot of people. <laughs> without the language and the customs. So yeah. I had to kind of shut up, be, um, be humble, uh, learn a lot. Um, I love Indian food. I mean, I love, <laughs> and I get so disappointed when I find, you know, the Indian food and taste like Indian food should taste. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I'm it was, it was yeah. a great experience. I'm so glad you said that too, because um, you know, whenever whenever I'm doing my work in Ethiopia um, with the nonprofit that I have, um, oh, okay. I, I've I'm, been there. I am the same way. You know, mm -hmm. it is. You know, that's why I always tell people: if you want to find out more about who you are as a person, go to a different place with a different culture in a mm -hmm. different language, you will find out about yourself and who you really are really quickly, right? Really quickly. <laughs> and sometimes with an intensity that's kind of hard to, you know, stand. Uh, I mean, uh, a, a different culture with all of the uh, differences that you uh, just outlined, it has a way of lifting up a mirror. Yes. And sometimes that's the ugly, I call it the ugly mirror. You're like, ooh. All right. And but, you know, but there's grace to uh, um, to adjust and get that thing right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, it's, it's a quite it's quite a humbling experience to look in the ugly mirror and see yourself for yourself. And you're like, oh, because, you know, we tend to in the States want to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I found out that I was so driven by stuff. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff, like things and the latest mm -hmm. gadgets. Um, and here I was, you know, the, I, I always trace my origins of my nonprofit back to a little kid who asked me for a writing pen. He didn't ask me for money. He asked Baby. me for a writing pen mm -hmm. because he wanted to do his homework mm -hmm. um, for school. That's mm -hmm. all he wanted. And, and to think that this little thing that I have tons laying around because I can never find the one that I want. 
is a gateway and a door to something so bigger mm-hmm. than I ever possibly could have realized. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was, that, that was just one of the many lessons that I learned mm-hmm. about myself that mm-hmm. you, you got to stop thinking about trying to keep up with the Joneses and so much stuff all the time. Right. Anything, um, right. And, and yeah. And I, I share that experience of uh, being in South Africa and the little girl asking, do you all have any uh, pens? Yes. And I was like, I said, everybody, all the friends who I was with, I said, if you have any uh, ink pens, give them to me now, give them to the little girl. Because I mean, school, are you kidding me? (laughs) Uh, You know, and I grew up um, and my father and my mother would say, look, get your education because that's something that, and they were real clear, they can't take away from you. Absolutely. They can take away opportunities. Mm -hmm. They can take away a whole lot of things, but they cannot take your knowledge once acquired. You know, my father's first name was Norfrey, (laughs) N-O-R-F-R-A-Y, Norfrey Shannon. And, you know, when he got out of the Navy, he was a boilermaker. But, you know, on paper, he didn't look black until he showed up. And all, <laughs> yes. of, all of a sudden, the uh, opportunities would dry up. And yeah. so that's why it was important. You you get knowledge, you know. You do. Yeah, because that can't do. be taken away from you, you know. Absolutely. So education is very important uh, in, uh, within my family. And in my grandmother's house, it was the wall of fame. Every time you graduated for something, you know, <laughs> she put put a picture up. I think she might have, you know, put up a, a participation. Uh, what participation? What is that? A participation trophy up there, <laughs> if you know. But yeah, oh, so mm-hmm. fabulous, fabulous. So yeah, I went to Ethiopia. Yeah, one time I got cholera there, but you know. You oh know, no. <laughs> Yeah, not good. Not good. But I think too, you know, you said the hospitality, you know, there's some of the most hospitable people that I've met um, and taught me the value of hospitality and seeing beyond um, the labels that we tend to put Mm -hmm. on people, right? Uh, Just, you know, I, I I was being invited into people's houses you know, mm-hmm. they, they coffee ceremonies, you know, popcorn, yeah. food that I know cost them weeks of of, uh-huh. of money just so they could have me sit in their living rooms. And mm-hmm. there's something humbling about that. Right. And 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 for me, it was it was that and it was more because hospitality didn't be uh, was not a locale. It was in the person, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. they had um, that uh, it was hospitality of spirit. And I and I have sought to uh, emulate that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because there are people in this world that they have such a hospitable spirit. You just want to be around them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, if if there weren't, if there wasn't coffee or any refreshment, I wouldn't care because I want to be around them. They, they, they warm your spirit. And, uh, and that's what I found in India and not, you know, in the, uh, uh, the, the modeling way, because, you know, we've seen uh, the worst of, uh, of us mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in different countries, so much so that, you know, people didn't they had no idea that at at times that you know i am an american you know yeah yeah so i would shut my mouth when i saw some of my uh compatriots acting in ways that were not uh uh good so yeah yeah 
And that and that was and sometimes a, a, a uh, it's always a, a blessing to be black, but it's it was an, a, a boon. It really was because <laughs> it's like, I'm not speaking because I do not <laughs> want them to think I'm like them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I know you uh, not. <laughs> so, Angie, I. I've, I've been meaning to want to ask you this question and I, I, because it's been on my mind um, and I just, for me, it's trying to gain a better understanding um, of, of my church, of the people who make up the church that I serve along with you. Um, being a black woman in a predominantly white denomination and you, not only that, but you are also a female in a predominantly f- male-dominated clergy roster, right? Mm. What keeps you going? What keeps you staying around um, the church and the ELCA? Because I know from talking to my uh, my Latino friends and my Latina friends who are pastors as well as uh, other African-American um, uh, pastors that I know, you know, it, I know it's at times not easy uh, for persons of color in our church. So what is it that keeps you, Pastor Angie Shannon, um, staying and going? And I can only speak for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I can only speak for myself because I will not deny how challenging uh, it is at times to be in this church. Right. Um, There is um, an arrogance Mm -hmm. uh, that... um, reduces us to and I throw myself in the mix because I'm in this church mm-hmm. uh, that reduces us to crystal pagans uh, who said that uh, transforming missions I don't remember that name but yeah mm-hmm. I call it a uh, crystal pagans because what happens is that culture supplants uh, mm-hmm. um, um faith Mm. i came here for the marvelous scandalous doctrine of grace yes the theology Mm -hmm. uh you can't be (laughs) right you can't i mean we're talking about a gracious god who means us well exactly through through everything but baby that ecclesiology (laughs) (laughs) yes come on now yes merciful god yes uh there therein lies therein lies the challenge with Mm -hmm. the uh the ecclesiology and uh, again the arrogance i can remember well i got stories (laughs) uh i it was uh, uh, several. I I was in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was in Dallas serving uh, King of Glory Lutheran Church, and every year, you know, um, Mosaic would have um, would have a um, a gala. I support uh, uh, the mission of. Uh, Mosaic, you know, mm-hmm. it's great. Mm-hmm. So I get there. And uh, yeah, I got to tell this one. Yeah, I'm telling it. I'm going to tell it. <laughs> uh, because again, you know, yes. there uh, it doesn't get better if you keep it to yourself. Exactly. So I get there and I said, um, I'm Angela Shannon. And uh, um they look for my name and they can't find my name. And I, and I said, uh, they, and one lady says to me, it can't be Shannon. Because Shannon is not a surname. 
I said, did she? You know, you got this in- internal conversation. It's like, did she? <laughs> I've lived and with so it all my looking, life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After yeah, after looking and looking and looking, she. I said, you know, Miss Shannon Ireland. You know, and so then she gives me to her friend as. Uh, um, um, because she's frustrated. And the friend says uh, uh, to me, well, that's not a surname, Shannon. I was like, did the, did lightning strike, you know, twice? I mean, and, <laughs> so, you know, and, and I was like, look, I know my name. So here was two white women telling me my name was not my name. Wow. wow. I get to the table and we're sitting with some Lutheran folks. One woman looks at me from across the table and I kid you not, she says to me, so are you Lutheran? I said, yes. And someone says, she's a Lutheran pastor. Well, I've never seen a black Lutheran before. I said, you know what? I got to leave here before I flip some tapes. Mm -hmm. And and those experiences are not uncommon Uh in this church. Mm. So if you say you want uh, uh, people of color in this church, newer, younger, and, and more diverse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this church is going to have to open its eyes and its heart and its ears. Uh, so that's, you know, it's like, look here, uh, Jesus, you and I, we, yeah. we, have, we, we have some skirmishes uh, about this. And this is not to say uh, that uh, uh, it's all doom and gloom, right? But there is a significant, uh, a uh, a preponderance, would if you will, mm-hmm. of these kind mm-hmm. of encounters that uh, people of color have. But and particularly, like I said, I I have stories, yeah. and uh, but um, because I've been here uh, a long time, twenty five years as an ordained person. So, um, I can't uh, say that uh, uh, we have evolved as a church because we've not. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some, uh, uh, in some ways, people uh, have learned uh, better. And even if they think it, to keep it to themselves, but uh, there has been, uh, people have been emboldened to say foolish, foolish things yeah. and call themselves Christian. It's like, was, was confirmation busy? <laughs> Do you not understand that we are yoked uh, to yeah. one another for our baptism? Yeah. And even if we're not, because God is the creator and we are the creatures for no other reason than that. Mm. We are to respect and value Amen. one another. Right. You know, um, when, um, when, what was that? Um, there was, a, there's been so many uh, um, black bodies uh, uh slaughtered on the altar uh, of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've gotten to to the point in my life uh, that my pastor has to say something about it. Right. Or, you know, that's not my church. Right. I I remember being at Luther and uh, who was it then that was slaughtered on the altar? But uh, one of my colleagues says to me, uh, Shannon, you coming to church? Uh, can you know you want to come to church with me? I said, absolutely not. I said because I'm not going to hear, you know, about the anguish mm-hmm. 
And um, no, I said, then I'd have to flip some tables. So no, I'm going to stay, stay at home and I'm going to find uh, uh, an online uh, worship service. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to that, that addresses this. I'm grateful for my congregation, uh, All Saints Lutheran Church mm-hmm. in Bowie, Maryland, mm-hmm. where we say the all in All Saints really means all mm-hmm. because uh, we, um, we address those things because we understand in order to be um, authentic mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to the gospel that um, we look squarely at our, our uh, sins and shortcomings mm-hmm. and ask God for healing, you know, so that we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we work um, and, we're, and we learn, we learn uh, uh, through our mistakes, but we are trying to <clears throat> embody the ministry of reconciliation. See, because we love to talk about word and sacrament, word and sacrament, word and sacrament. And those are very important and key and central pieces. But uh, reconciliation is what your baptism looks like in real time. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, it is. And, it's what your baptism looks like in real time. And what is, what's, the, what's a good first step in that process? Like where, where do we even begin? Uh, we take a middle step towards one another, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if we say we have no sin then mm-hmm. we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right. Right. See, right. because there's some truths that we have to face together mm-hmm. and we have to uh, uh, face those truths, looking at each other, not looking past, but looking at each other yes and uh we have to face the fact that you know the cornerstone of this our great nation is built on the backs of enslaved uh african descended people Mm -hmm. it's built on the backs of the genocide of the indigenous people Mm -hmm. and it has to be more than confession you know, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah confession yeah. is, you know, yeah, I did it. <laughs> you know, really, it has yep. to be more than that. Yes, uh, it has to be more than a land acknowledgement. It has to be more than Black History Month. It has to be uh, what we are going to heal. I've always said that we are wildly, wildly uh, confessing, but we are minimally repentant. Wow, we need some yes. repentance. You know, that's what we need. We need some repentance. How are we? So what do we do now instead of deny uh, uh, what's what's happening? You know? Yeah. And the the Uh, literal definition of repentance is stop going in the direction you're going. Right. Go the opposite way and and go the opposite way. You know, Uh, so that that is a huge uh a piece but i have a lot of hope because baby these uh fussing about the millennials <laughs> and, and, and the x's and you yeah. know and the z's z's and w's and all all the alphabets to come they delivering it to your front door with the efficiency of Amazon uh, <laughs> and, and charging you shipping and handling. Because <laughs> I sit there, it's like, oh, this is going to be good. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, but you know, no, but they are bringing and serving authenticity mm-hmm. like we've uh, uh, not seen yeah. because they are tired. Yes. And the thing is, all of us really are tired. Mm-hmm. And I would say sometimes, and it's been, I, I've done uh, interim work and I, and I love it. I really do. 
Uh, cause I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't care if you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but what I've seen uh, with churches, they tend to paint themselves, uh, local congregations, they paint themselves in a corner mm-hmm. and they don't know how to get out. And because the anxiety is so, you know, raging and high, uh, they hadn't even thought to just calm down and let the paint dry. <laughs> exactly. You can, you, know, you can walk out of it. Or any, if anyone hands them a hand, I mean, just so anxiety uh, uh, ridden. And um, certainly the pandemic has brought uh, free floating anxiety to the surface. And, and folks, we do not know what to do. We have yeah. no experience with this. Exactly. But uh, and not trying to do spiritual bypass because I can't stand that, but to have faith that God is walking in this uh, uh, with us. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about the church is and well, uh, they also teach, you know, that the church is and will always be. So basically, in my mind, it seems to me if the church is and will always be, only because God loves it, because we have done a fair job of messing it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God um, uh, will always keep the church. Mm-hmm. But institutions will topple themselves. Exactly. Because I trust that God is going to, we will be the church one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, we have to stop being so fearful. Um, we need to acknowledge, uh, our, uh, place in white supremacy. People talk about Lutherans. They weren't involved in that Lutheran quietism. I was like, that's not true. See, cause if you drink, for those of you who drink, uh, <laughs> uncle nearest, you, I don't know if you've heard about Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest, his name was Nearest Green. And Nearest Green was the one who perfected the uh, technique that Jack Daniels uh, uses. Uh-huh. You know, even right. And uh, Uncle Nearest, uh, Nearest Green, was an enslaved uh, African-descended person. Wow. And guess what? He was owned by a Lutheran pastor named Dan Call. So Jack Daniels leased him. Get out. From Dan Call. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Lutherans have, a, 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 and Black Lutherans, uh, anything that uh, Dr. Richard Stewart has written or he also collected a lot of uh, oral histories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jehu Jones uh, North American Lutheranism is a John of Bachman. They talk about him being an innovator, you know, in South and Charleston, South Carolina. And, you know, the church stands today a 275 year old church. That church, um, uh, uh, Pastor uh, Bachman baptized Jehu Jones and his family, mm. you know. And he goes mm. and he went on to uh, be the first uh, black uh, uh, pastor in, in North America. And he had his share of uh, trials and tribulations. And some of them mirror the same things that uh, African descended uh, and other people of color go through in the church now. You know, it's really interesting in my uh, training uh, as a, an interim, they tell you to go and do a whole review of the history of the church because people will do things right, and yeah. they don't understand that they're being influenced by the history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, offer that challenge to the church that I love. Go back and look at the history. See what happened to this man, Jehu Jones, who raised money and who was who uh, built a uh, uh, they broke ground and built a church and then reneged on helping the Senate, reneged on helping uh, 
him raise the oh, money yeah. and it is the what wig and pipe pint club or something like that it stands today you know there's a historic mark on that yeah so you know we have to look at our history uh we need to repent before uh before god and begin to seriously look at each other as uh as siblings uh united by christ i mean like i said i got stories i've walked into a lutheran church for worship they didn't know because you know i'm on vacation i'm not rocking a collar all the time and uh, and get oh well you know um the food pantry is on monday oh my god (laughs) come on folks lord have mercy (laughs) it's like you know i just reach in my purse and give them a card and then look at them. I mean, I should be able to go in a Lutheran church. We got good liturgy, you know. Absolutely. Follow yeah. the liturgy without being microaggressed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I always say one one thing that I've found in my, you know, in my healing um, and my struggles with uh, my mental health is, is that um, and, and this can be said for, for anybody, you don't, you don't have to be proud of your past or your history, but you have to own it because right. it's your, because it is your story. Right. Um, and I think, I think we, we miss that, right. It's like, okay. it, it, you know, nobody's saying we have to be proud of it, but we have to own it. We do have to own yeah. it. It is our story, right? Regardless of whether we were a part of that or not, it is a part of our story. It is a part of our story. And you know, there's some freedom in that. As I yeah. watch and read biographies, the freest people are the ones who just tell off on themselves. <laughs> right. you know, True. Yeah. They are. They are so free. <laughs> and, and they acknowledge that they don't, you know, uh, have it as a shield, but they acknowledge that so they can move on uh, uh, to uh, to better things or more clarity, not better things, but more clarity. Exactly. I just finished reading uh, Candace Benbow's um, Red Thip, Lip, Red Lip Theology. Mm. And, you know, uh, how God was working through her story. Yeah. I, I love spiritual biographies like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lenny Duncan or uh, Mary Margaret Funk. Yeah, I like to read spiritual biographies because awesome. I like awesome. to see how God moves and, and, and uses people, you know? Because uh, yeah. God is, again, uh, um, God is not surprised by us, but, you know, it's us who keep the facades going, you know? That's why yeah. I tell people yeah. all the time, uh, get yourself a spiritual director, get yourself a confessor, get yourself a, uh, a therapist, have all three. There's mm. no harm in it, you know, nope. I nope. Mean, because they help me move to greater clarity because exactly. my confessor cannot be in my confessor. <laughs> <laughs> i know you know that's that's good boundary keeping you know but but to model that you know and and my congregation knows that about me because i tell them get yourself a spiritual director as much as i love you i don't have that kind of time for you yeah yeah you know right right i get yourself a therapist It'll help you. I promise it will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. And have a confessor, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is, I, I have learned so much. Uh, thank you so much again for uh, being on here. Um, so, at the end of every podcast, I have what's called the final four. It's the f- okay. it's four questions. Um, it's the first thing that comes to your mind in one word or one sentence or less. Okay. Okay. We'll all see right. if I can do that. That's why I talk. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. Um, your first one is the thing I admire the most about Jesus is. 
his ability to uh, communicate and speak beyond the question, answer the question behind the question. Love it. Love it. Um, life seems most fragile when blank. When we are frightened. I love that. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Um, my most unique trait is. My sense of humor. The best piece of advice given to me was. Talk to the notion and do as you please. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, Pastor Angie, thank you again so much for being on here. It was a pleasure. It was an honor to have you um, with us here on Faith Journeys. I've learned well, a lot. Thank you so much. And I've been watching you. Uh, you know, that's one thing about social media. It gives you the ability to just kind of watch and lurk. And it's like, I've been watching you too for a while so <laughs> for this opportunity. Oh, well, I feel honored. Thank you very much. And thank you to all of you out there who continue to listen and tune in uh, to Faith Journeys. Please uh, leave a review. It helps people find uh, the podcast better um, wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or iHeartRadio. We're on all of those uh, platforms share this podcast with others invite them into it subscribe um, i would be honored if you would do that and be a part of our journey here on faith journeys so until next time may you find peace and blessings on your journey and we'll see you again on the next episode take care everyone peace and blessings Bye bye